Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai, best in new inventory. Great pre-owned inventory. All with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. Talk about making a difference? It does. Well, it's Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. All right, time now for our play-by-play call of the day. This ball drives, kicks it back out. Booker gets a good look for three. It's good. Approaching four minutes remaining here in game one. Booker, shake and bake, jumper, it's good! Devin Booker's got 27, and it's back up to 11. There's so many times last night where I felt like uh, Mike Bream wanted to say, bang! Right? And they kept missing. (laughs) Over and over again. Kept missing. Not good. It's not good. <laughs> Chris Paul was great last night. Booker was good. He, he took some shots there. He sat back and went. Uh, Aiton was really good. Um, Jan, I, I thought Middleton was really good. Giannis, I give him all the credit in the world. Well, you know, you look at what happened against Atlanta, you kept asking yourself, can he play? But he busted his backside. Great job by the training staff. Got him back. Now, on adrenaline, you can do that. The big question is going to be, moving forward, is... I think once they get to Game 3 Sunday, he's going to be fine. I think Game 2 has a chance to be a real struggle for him. A real struggle. And here's the reason why. Uh, The reason why uh, is is simple. Uh, Anytime you come back from an injury, and I've seen this time and again, first game, like, wow, wow, wow. Second game, boy, the, the mind keeps saying, Okay, and the body's like, that's not sure again. <laughs> Man, I'm sore. I haven't done this. You know, plus you probably overcompensated a little bit on the other leg. There's a lot of reasons. I'm sure on the NBA pregame they'll they'll bring this up. I mean, they're... no, you're not. Get confident. the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. You're not confident, are you? Uh no. I'm not either. (laughs) Simple stuff, they're good. 
Although Woj gives a lot of info. Woj does a ton of, I mean, let's say, I mean, he's Adam Schefter. Let's give credit where credit's due. Okay. That's how I That's how I look at it. All right. Well, we've talked about the best pitcher in New York. It's not Garrett Cole. It's like saying Jalen Hurts the best quarterback in Philadelphia. Yeah, have you looked at the Temple kid? All right, no. All right, um, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. He's your guy. Yeah. Four-game sample size. He's your guy. Meanwhile, Dario Sarge did suffer a torn ACL in his right knee last night. So the Phoenix Suns five-year veteran is out of the finals. He was averaging five points, two and a half boards a game. So Torrey Craig and Frank the Tank, Frank Kaminsky out of Wisconsin, will have to play. Kaminsky, a former first-round pick. Hmm. Uh, let's see. Um, Roger Federer today not only lost but was routed at Wimbledon. Novak Djokovic ended up getting to the semifinals. But Federer was ousted in straight sets. Hey, it gets to a certain point, you don't have it. And it's a Hubert... Her cats was the uh, winner today. And, by the way, it should get credit for doing it. I mean, it's, it can't just be that Federer lost. Remember, what was Federer's moment? This may have been her cats's moment. Federer's moment was when he beat Pete Sampras in the round of 16. Like, who's this guy? He beat Pete Sampras. Well, it turned out it was Roger Federer. So, you know, hey, let's give her cats his moment. And a lot of people aren't willing to do that because they never heard of them. All right. Um, just like the other day on ESPN, one of the anchors called Chris Everett, Chris Avert. <laughs> like, can you do that? What? No good! No good! No good! I, I sit there, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, you're in all sports network, right? You don't know who Chris Everett is? Who, by the way, has been one of your analysts on tennis forever? Besides winning all those Grand Slams? What, she won 19 in her career? Like I sat back up. Surging COVID-19 cases in Tokyo have hit a two-month high. It guarantees that the Japanese government will declare a new state of emergency to start next week and to continue during the duration of the Tokyo Olympics. IOC President Thomas Bach scheduled to arrive in Tokyo Thursday. He'll be graded by the rising cases as he self-isolates for three days at the IOC's five-star hotel in the capital. I'm sorry you have to isolate. <laughs> that sounded a little passive-aggressive, didn't it? <laughs> okay. I have good news and bad news. What's the bad news? You have to self-isolate. I said... What's the good news? You're self-isolating at the Ritz-Carlton. Okay, great. <laughs> I feel good. Um, 
the present quasi-state of emergency, which is like the equivalent of double-secret probation in Animal House, ends on Sunday. Tokyo reported 920 new cases on Wednesday, up from 714 the week before. The highest total was 1,010 back on May 13th. They're considering reinstating a state of emergency in the capital until August 22nd. The Olympics will be over by then. The Olympics end August 8th. Prime Minister Shuga did not confirm the report, but noted Tokyo's upsurge and vowed to do everything we can to prevent the further spread of infections. Shuga said he would make a final decision tomorrow after consulting with a panel of experts. Fans from abroad, banned, can't go. Two weeks ago, the IOC decided to allow venues to be filled to 50% capacity, but not exceed 10,000. Soaring cases. What's your definition of soaring? But, all right. Makes the story more effective to say they're soaring. I mean, this is a country of millions. I mean, tens of millions. Um, they have fewer than a thousand. But that's what they want to, how they want to write the story. Okay. The no fan atmosphere could include the opening ceremony at the $1.4 billion National Stadium. The top government medical advisor told reporters that authorities have to act quickly to take tough measures ahead of the Olympics with summer vacations approaching. The period from July to September is the most critical time for Japan's COVID-19 measures, he said. The Olympics are pushing ahead against most uh, medical advice, partially because the postponement of 15 months stalled the IOC's income flow. It gets 75% of its income from selling broadcast rights. An, estimates, an estimate suggests that it would lose between $3 billion and $4 billion if the Olympics were canceled. Nationwide, Japan has about 810,000 cases. That's total, right? That's total, I think. And they've had, unfortunately, 14,900 deaths. Only 15% of Japanese citizens are fully vaccinated. So the Olympics are coming up, and it looks like nobody's going to be there except for the athletes. I mean, no offense. Is the suit going to be able to sell anything during the Olympics? I'm just asking. Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. I'm just asking. By the way, with the uh, the backdrop of Elsa... The Tampa Bay Lightning are facing the Montreal Canadiens with a chance to win the Stanley Cup at home tonight. Brewers lead the Mets 2-1 bottom of the seventh. Let's see how your guy DeGrom is doing here. And he is your guy, right? Um, no. 
Seven innings, four hits, two runs, both earned, struck out ten. It's given up two home runs. What do you mean, no? You're a front runner. <laughs> no? I'm just no Mets. I'm sorry. What about Mikey Conforto? I can care less. Good player, but I can care less. Come on. His dad played football here at Penn State. Come on. That's true, but no. Wow. Braves lead the Pirates 7-3, to but the game is rain-delayed. In the top of the seventh. Uh, you got to give the Pirates credit. They are the one team. The Pirates and the Orioles, like, aching for rain delays. <laughs> what? Tell me I'm wrong. Oh, my almighty! I'm telling you, it's... Uh, I mean, these people, I mean, they go out there. DeGrom is not paid in Zootcoin. That's correct. I understand the negotiation a couple of part-timers were offered it. I had uh, I had to offer advice. <laughs> no, <laughs> you don't want to do that. In fact, talk to Roger; he'll actually he'll take good care of you. But this guy, the suit says he runs. I did no. <laughs> did I tell you I cracked my driver? Just recently? Yeah. No. Also, in the last like the last I don't know three weeks. I hit the ball and I think like what? Well, I thought I hit it right on the money and it sound dink. Sound like I clunked it. Like, okay, okay. I kept playing. I'm really not getting much out of the driver. I'm getting some out of it, but not much. But it's got just a weird sound of it. I'm like going, I must be hitting it wrong. You know what I mean? I'm thinking to myself, I have to be hitting it wrong. So before I went out to play, on. I think it was Sunday. It was the 4th of July. I decided at the Penn State golf courses, they have the driving range, but then they have the walker range. The walker range is at the opposite end of the driving range. It's a grass range, so, you know, and it it can be used by members, all right? So, in other words, instead of hitting off a mat, I can toss the, some balls on the, on, the, on, the, on the grass and hit some before I go out and play. Bang, 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 bang. I, don't, I rarely do this. Usually I just use the driving range and, you know. All right. But I decided, hey, you know what we'll do? And it's adjacent right to the second tee of the white course. So I thought, you know what? Let's just go out there, just kind of warm up, because I never warm up. So yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, I go out, I hit, you know, you, you know, a couple wedges, and I hit, you know, you know, nine iron or seven iron, boom, a couple of six irons. Okay. And then I said, okay, let's take the driver. And I started hitting him, and I'm like, going, okay. I'm here. I'm going, jeepers, cats. It's a good thing you warmed up then. Right? Then I hit one, and it was like, I heard, then I heard, I'm like, oh, what the heck? And I looked at the top. The top is all cracked all the way around the top and caved in. Wow. I'm like, wow. So somebody says to me, lost your temper with your driver, did you? I said, it's the top of the driver. And he says, oh, oh. 
Is it like notice where it's attached, how it's solid as a rock? I did not know. I'm not even remotely mad. <laughs> okay? Not even remotely. I said I was warming up. I said even when I'm playing, I'm not I'm not smacking it. I don't that's not how I play. Alright? He goes, Oh, I said it's the top. <laughs> See that's a violation. What? For two well, the what? For him to oh. just like, oh, would you get mad? He's probably a stinking Dallas fan. <laughs> well, my my buddy Brent Martin, I saw him and I saw Bob Lombardi from the PIAA. Oh, and I saw okay. Kenny, Kenny Miller, Kenny Miller, Brent, and um, and Bob were playing, and I was driving. Um, I'm on the back nine, and I'm playing with just four wood and six iron off the tee. Just kind of figuring out, you know, what to use. Like last, I would use it last night. I shot 40. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> of course, I only had 11 putts and nine holes. That kind of helped. Uh, but, uh, but I showed it to Brent, and Brent came, showed me. He says, hey, look, you can get a club, another club head for it. And he showed me the website to get it. And, you know, and it's, I was telling the story about the guy. You know, this guy said, and, and Bob looks over. He goes, it's the top of the club. I said, I know, Bob. <laughs> he says, nobody gets I said, unless you're wrapping around a tree. I said, yeah, there are no trees over at the driving range. So <laughs> so I, I told my buddy Matt Bakovich about it. And Bakovich gets a hold of me today. And Bakovich wants me to play um, Old Sandwich this weekend on Cape Cod and I, I'm going to be there and I can't do it. I'm like, oh, I can't do it. In-laws. Alright, so <laughs> right. He texted me today say, I spoke with Dan and he actually said if I can take a picture of your driver head and contact Cobra directly, they'll send you a replacement for free. <laughs> so I did. Might have it in time for August 4th. If not, I'll be driving with Forwood. All right. Well, hopefully you get it then. Yeah, I hope so, too. I like to try it out. I'd like to have a full set of clubs, and Jack and I are going out the, uh, sometime in August. We have it all set. Mole Man, Jack, myself, working on a fourth. It'll be good. All right. Take a break. Great pickle in a moment. Great to have you with us today. News Radio 1070 WKOK. Great to have you with us on the show today. It's in a fit of rage. It's like... There's the runny joke I made when I when uh, when I broke my putter. I told you that story, right? I believe so. Yeah. It, J- Jack and I were playing at Chartiers against Ron Moeller and was it? I think it may have been Mike Wagner. And I went. I was there was a false front on the. I don't know. I want to say it's like the sixth hole or something like that. And I thought, you know, I kind of looked at it and I didn't really judge the distance right. And I hit no a wedge. God. I, no God. No! <laughs> well, I hit a wedge that's like five yards short. Well, not five. That's wrong. Maybe about five feet. 
five, six feet short of the grain of the collar. You know, so I just need a little, you know, it's a little bit more. So I walked up and I, I took the uh, uh, sandwich out and I took a putter, the putter out, and I'm going to chip or putt. Wasn't sure. So I looked over at Jack and I said, "I said, what do you think? Because you know, your your playing partner, you can, you know, as we're playing teams, you can consult." And I said, "What do you th- what do you think here?" So I putt. I said, oh, "That's right. I forgot you can't chip." He says, "No, I can't." <laughs> so I put the my sandwich down. I took the putter and I rolled it up and I rolled it up and I yeah you know, I just I missed like wide by about six inches. And then I bent down to pick up the sandwich and I broke the putter. <laughs> Did you wake <laughs> Leaning up? Leaning on it. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors here, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai, great new inventory, fabulous pre-owned inventory, all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. And great to have you with us today, and also great to be joined by... Greg Pickle, now with Blue White Illustrated. Greg, congratulations on the move. It's a great fit. Steve, thanks so much. I really am enjoying my start over there and getting to interact with some different readers and everything, and, of course, uh, staying in touch with the the Penn State fan base. So it's been good, and I'm glad to be joining you this afternoon. It's great to have you with us today. Uh, First of all, in one of your final assignments at Penn Live, you and others did a great job of putting the story together that showed that Pennsylvania, in the budget, had included the provisions for name, image, and likeness. That was really well done. Yeah, I appreciate that. And obviously, it was part of the school code package that was passed as a part of Pennsylvania's budget legislation, which I don't think anyone really thought would be the way that NIL legislation got done in the state. But they found a way to get it in there. And I think it's good. I think it's pretty standard compared to what most other states have done so far. And it's not too far off from what the NCAA has passed for uh, states that, you know, schools and states that don't have any kind of legislation in place yet. So, you know, it's pretty standard. But I think that's good. I don't see it as putting Penn State uh, athletes, student athletes, at a disadvantage in any way, shape, or form. And obviously, there's a lot to figure out on this front. You know, everyone jumped feet first into it on July 1st, and we'll see how things shake out. I think it's going to look a lot different in September and in December than it does right now. But at least that's in place. It's a guidepost for athletes, for schools, for everyone to kind of start figuring this thing out, and we'll see where it goes from here. But, you know, the one thing that I kept going back to the more I read the legislation and everything else is that even though it's a little bit ambiguous and even though maybe there's some questions still to be answered, I have no doubt that James Franklin and his staff have a very good plan in place. So does Sandy Barber and the rest of the athletic department for the non-football student athletes to be able to maximize this as much as possible. And will it, there will be some bumps in the road? Sure, absolutely. I don't think there's any question about that. And will there be some times when things pop up that are a surprise? Yeah, sure, because this is a new world for everyone. The people uh, dealing with it from the athletic side of things, obviously the play and everything like that. So there'll be some hiccups, but so far so good. And I think, you know, like I said, the PA law keeps Penn State athletes in a good place moving forward. All right, so that brings this up. Obviously, everything's new, but Penn State has been preparing for it. In any contact you've had with recruits or people who are around recruits, 
has this topic come up, not just Penn State, but the name, image, and likeness topic come up among those who are being recruited? Yeah, it has a little bit. I think most of those kids are just trying to figure out where they want to go play college football. And now this is a part of that equation, but it's also new. And I think that schools across the country had to be a little bit careful about over-promising or overselling what they would be able to do in this regard because ultimately it comes down to first whatever the NCAA was going to do, which during the June quiet period there really wasn't a lot of clarity on that. So you were relying on your state, and I think some states obviously were at the forefront of this, Florida being one of them where there was a pretty clear plan in place and when things were going to go into effect and things like that. And in a lot of other states, Pennsylvania included, you know, it was kind of a big waiting game where you could kind of hint at what you were going to be able to do and what you think was going to happen, but you weren't sure until that budget was finally signed into law that included this language late last week. So, yeah, I think that recruits are definitely interested in it, and it's obviously something that will become even more of a sales pitch down the road. But I think initially it's like it's like a lot of the, the current players who are dealing with it. It's wait and see. It's wait and see how things shake out. It's wait and see what things come available. So, you know, it's not maybe making as much of an impact now beyond the obvious factor that it's there. And then it's something that recruits parents and recruits are going to certainly ask about when they come to a campus, what can you do for me in this regard? But that's going to be a question I think much easily answered down the road when some of these deals are in place, some of this stuff is more fleshed out. And, you know, you can actually point to, look what our guys got for this, look what our girls got for that, depending on what sport we're talking about. So I do think that within the next six months and definitely in the class of 2023, we're going to see this be a much bigger part of the game. Right now, I think it's more of a curiosity than anything else, but certainly, Steve, it's being discussed. Last time on the Penn State Coaches Show, which was back in April, one of the guests was Andy Frank. And I asked Andy about the organization it would take starting June 1st to do camps, visits, and to make things happen. Well, they've gone through it. And so far, the fruits of the labor have been six verbal commitments. What's your thought on what Penn State has been able to do so far in the recruiting trail now that everything has opened up over the last five weeks? Yeah, it's been a run quite like any that we've seen in the James Franklin era. I mean, they've had some very good runs in the past in terms of getting guys in bulk. You know, the 2020 class had a big run in the summer, spring and summer of 2019 that really helped put that class together when all was said and done. I think it was something like 13 commits between late June and the day after July 4th. So we've seen something like this before, but I don't know if it was quite the same level of quality. Very good group signed that year and a lot of very good players committed, but this has just been a run where if you're Penn State, you went into June hoping to maximize your June visit window and knowing that you were going to have to do that because this early part of July and all of July, really, was going to be jam-packed with commitments. Kids were going to come off of those visits. Some kids saw five schools that they have never seen in person before. Some kids saw five officials and three or four unofficial visits. Some kids took some kids took two or three official visits, and that was good enough for them to come back and decide. But it was always going to go this way, where once those visits were made, kids were going to say, you know what, I want to decide before my senior season. This is going to be, in some cases, for some kids, a normal senior season compared to last year. Or for some guys, they're going to be just getting on the field because they didn't get a fall season or a spring season, depending on where they live. So my point is you knew you were going to have to maximize this time, and Penn State's done it. You know, you go back even to late July when Tyler Johnson, a three-star receiver, from Virginia committed. You know, that was a product of a couple of good visits in June once those were allowed again. And then, yeah, this latest run, 
has just been a product of not just in-person recruiting, but all of the electronic and virtual recruiting Penn State did with these guys prior to them even being allowed to come to campus again. You know, J.B. Nelson, the Lackawanna College offensive lineman who was the first commit of the weekend last uh, last Friday, you know, he's a guy who earned an offer during camp, so he may not be the best example of this, but, you know, they still had to stay in touch with him, and then when we look at uh, Keon Wiley, Caleb Ortiz, Zane Durant, Tyrese Fearbride, of course, uh, Nick Singleton, the four-star running back out of Governor Mifflin, you know, there was a lot of work done via Zoom, via FaceTime, via all sorts of unique ways to recruit that these schools and these coaches have never really had to deal with before to get to this point. And obviously you impress them on the visit. Obviously you roll out the red carpet and they get a lot of time with James Franklin or, or you know, Mike Yurcich or Brent Pride, depending on the side of the ball they're on. And, you know, that kind of stuff goes a long way, but you had to put yourself in position to even get that visit in the first place or to be in that top group in the first place. So as impressive as this run is, based on the fact that a lot of these kids, uh, or all of them really, visited it before, visited school, the campus during June before committing in July. I think you have to point out, too, the amount of work that went into it through virtual and electronic communication that led to these decisions after the visit. All right, so let's get to the Pennsylvania component of this. Look, everything goes in cycles. So you may have a year where, talent-wise, the other areas that you work hard at have more talent than maybe you do in state, and then there's some years where in state you've got a lot of talent. Ten of the 18 players that have verbal to Penn State so far, including the latest one yesterday, are from Pennsylvania. What kind of statement has James Franklin and the staff made about the state? Yeah, I mean, I think it's that we know the guys that we want in any given cycle, and whether they're from Pennsylvania, whether they're from the Mid-Atlantic, whether they're from outside of it, we're going to go get those guys, and we're going to lock them up. And it just so happens, as you note, Steve, that a lot of those guys in this class are from the state of Pennsylvania. I mean, it was a loaded year in the Keystone State, and it's funny because a lot of times there's one prospect where everyone wrings their hands over and can't believe Penn State didn't get out of Pennsylvania, and he might be really one of the only top-tier guys, so to speak, in the state that year and that makes him the focus but there are obviously guys from other states and then around the region and that that radius around state college that james franklin makes so important and penn state makes so important in recruiting that penn state did a really good job in but sometimes the focus just comes back to pennsylvania and why couldn't penn state keep all of the pa kids or the top pa kids in state and this is one of those times where for the most part they have i mean they're not going to get all of them and i white the the five-star defensive lineman from philadelphia is probably headed south but by and large, Penn State was able to take advantage of a strong year in state and a strong recruiting plan for those guys, even dating back for most of them until 2018 or 2019 when they were younger, but were able to visit campus and they put themselves in position to get to this point. And you push a little bit when guys get on campus and you identify some guys that are maybe higher up your board than you thought, or you get guys like Bo Prabula and, and uh, Makai Flowers and Anthony Ivey who are from central Pennsylvania and have always kept an eye on Penn State or a Drew Shelton who of course is now at IMG, but is from Downingtown, where obviously uh, Penn State has picked up some players from there in the past. So, you know, you put it all together, and it's a statement, but it certainly is just another example of when they decide where they're going to go and get guys during the James Franklin era, whether it's Pennsylvania, whether it's a little bit further out of the region or what have you, a lot of times they're very successful, and it shows in the recruiting rankings since he's been here. And, look, it's not fail-proof. It's not 100%. They don't bat a 1,000, but – so far, so good in this class in both PA, <laughs> excuse me, Steve, and then just in general uh, with the rest of the recruiting they're doing in other parts of the country. 
Right. Um, what have you sensed? Uh, normally part of this is your best recruiters are your players. Uh, also, some of your best recruiters can be the people you've recruited and have verbal to you. So what kind of communication are you sensing from the current players to the players Penn State's recruiting? And what kind of communication is happening, Greg, among those who have actually verbally committed to try and convince other people to come here? Yeah, you know, we were talking about this this morning a little bit. Obviously, you need good players on your current roster when these visits come around. And look, they do stuff uh, beyond the visits that can help get guys to Penn State, but they're your player hosts when visitors come to campus and recruits come to campus. And you need them to be locked in, and you need them to have a good weekend when those kids are in town. Show them all of the great things that there are to do around State College and, and be able to answer questions about anything from academics to downtime to obviously playing for this coach or fitting in that system or being at Beaver Stadium or what have you. So that's obviously a key component, but the other thing is that to your point, Steve, these commitments of which there are 18 now, you know, I don't know if you want to count the guys that just committed so much because obviously they haven't had much time to do any peer recruiting, but the guys that were in the boat before this this group that just joined, I mean, they have for the most part made no secret about the fact that they will do what it takes to connect with guys, to make guys feel welcome, to make guys feel like Penn State's the place for them, and it's a part of the success they're having, there's no question. It's not every cycle where you get guys or a lot of guys that are like that and that are willing to go that extra extra mile and put the time in to bring other top players to Penn State, but they have it now and they've taken advantage of it, you know, and I hate to single out anyone in particular, but obviously Ken Talley, the defensive lineman from Philadelphia, is a guy whose name comes up a lot, Jerry Cross, the Wisconsin tight end, his name comes up, obviously the quarterbacks are playing a role here, you know, it's really everyone who is committed to Penn State is putting in the effort to bring players in with them, and I think you're seeing the, the you know how well that's paying off uh, with the commitment run they have here, but just with the fact that we're talking about a top five class in general. And look, there's going to be some adjustments in those rankings, right? I mean, there will be schools that pick up commitments and schools that pick up five stars and shoot up there. But this is a top ten class in the works for Penn State right now, and it's a lot of you know you can put it on the coaching staff, of course, you can put it on just the program trajectory in general and the current roster as well. But there are also a lot of guys who are verbally committed, not signed to Penn State yet who are helping make sure that more talent joins them in Penn State down, at Penn State rather down the road. Which then brings us to the next part. That's the crystal ball. So what do you see here over the next few weeks? There's obviously be, going to be some big names that always wait till later anyway. So do you expect anything else coming down the, you know, the pike here in a short period of time or do we have to play the waiting game? It's going to be the waiting game, right? So, obviously, when you come off a run like Penn State did, Steve, you're not necessarily, uh, you know, you're not necessarily expecting another weekend quite like that because it's just almost impossible to follow up. But throughout the rest of the month here, there's obviously going to be some decisions that are made and that will impact Penn State both positively and negatively. You know, the one I'll focus on is Denai Dennis Sutton, the uh, big-time defensive lineman out of Owing Mills, uh, McDonough, which of course has sent a bunch of players to Penn State. He's going to decide in a couple of weeks and. It seems to be down to Georgia and Penn State. So can they reel him in? Can they get the latest uh, big-time defensive line?
line recruit from Maryland. And look, they have some pretty good defensive linemen in this class already. They have some really good players in this class already. And I think if uh, you know Penn State fans are following this one closely, because he would be really the cherry on top, so to speak, of what is already a really good class in the works. So it's going to be a fight until the end, and they're going to have to outslug the Bulldogs and fight off an SEC foe. But they have all the things that they need moving in the right direction and it's a toss-up and that'll be the one I think that that people watch closely and there'll be some other ones to watch too there's no question about that but he's going to decide on July 22nd and Penn State fans will be counting down to that day uh, waiting to see where he ends up because he could really be a cornerstone piece of this class if he would choose the Lions. Thank you so much sir it's great to have you at BWI you'll do great work there like you have everywhere else. I appreciate it, Steve. We'll catch you up soon. Thanks again for having me on. That's Greg Pickle, Blue White Illustrated. We will come back, wrap it up in a moment. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way? The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. All right, if you're wondering about the TV ratings for last night's Game 1, because of the holiday weekend, they won't be released until tomorrow. So that's the reason why. So let's at least give you an indication of what uh, things where things stand. Um, so we'll go Suns Clippers, Bucks Hawks. All right, the Stanley Cup final Game 1, by the way, was the least watched. Uh, so you go back to what June thirtieth. Well, let's go back to you know, here. We go. Uh, ratings released July one. Suns Clippers five point eight million viewers. That was one. Hannity on Fox News three point five. A hundred thousand dollar pyramid. ABC three point four nine. Price is Right three point three. Pressure Luck on ABC three point one. Tucker Carlson Tonight three point one. Master Chef on Fox two point eight. Those are the top-rated shows for the – and Suns Clippers was first, by the way. Okay, This is all from John Orrand of uh, Sports Business Journal. Thursday's ratings last week, Bucks-Hawks TNT was number one, 4.8 million viewers. These are now just sports ratings uh, on this one. Uh, United States women's National team soccer against Mexico at 496,000 viewers. Wimbledon second round in the morning, 484,000. PGA Rocket Mortgage on Golf Channel, 433. Giants and D-backs on ESPN, 316. Okay. So then you get to the next one. Bucks-Hawks, July 2nd. On TNT, 4.8 million. Young Shelton, 3.6. Tucker Carlson, 
uh, 3 million. United States of Al, 2.8. Mom, 2.9 or 2.86. And those are the ratings there. Anything else ratings wise? Hot dog eating contest, top rated market was Cincinnati. New York was second, Milwaukee third, Pittsburgh fourth, Columbus fifth, and Danville sixth. Thought that was interesting. No? S U I T, that spells Suda! <laughs> I love eating contests. I usually win. Okay, um, the National Association of Black Journalists has called for a meeting with Disney after the treatment of Maria Taylor. So that's the story that came out today. And Jalen Rose on the air has advocated for Maria Taylor to get a raise. He's done that on the air. Is it? It's, you know... I thought Chris Paul played great last night. What about you? <laughs> yeah, I thought so too. Him and um, and Giannis, Giannis, and Booker I give too. You Booker for the most part, yes, but like everyone, he'll take a shot, doesn't even hit the rim. You're like, what the heck? <laughs> really? Well, I thought uh, Jay Crowd had a bad game last night. <laughs> no, he he had one point, I think. Yeah, it was a free throw late. Crowder did not have a good game. I thought Middleton played really well. Holiday was okay. I thought Giannis gave it everything he had. Uh, great admiration for how Giannis played last night. <clears throat> so, by the way, Malik Andrews did a good job last night, so might as well point that out. No offense to NBA Countdown. It's kind of like the tree that falls in the woods and you're you're 10 miles away. I didn't watch it, so I'm not sure if it made a sound. <laughs> Do you? And it's I not don't any, know either. I don't watch any pregame shows of anything except for game day, college, college football game day, and sometimes college basketball game day. It's usually about it. All the even the NFL stuff, I don't really watch that much, if ever, until it gets to the game. When the game comes, boom, I'm right there. <laughs>